In this edition of the podcast, more arts and culture on your TV. The Ausflix streaming service is branching out soon to launch Ausflix Arts. We'll speak to the founder and CEO about bringing more of the arts to television, tablets and smartphones. I'm Tim Stackpool and this is Inside the Gallery. Thanks for downloading the podcast once again with what might be the last interview we get to sneak in before the end of the year. And it's one that will bring a smile to the face of all of us who have seen a decline in government recognition of the arts over the past 18 months or so. A reminder first, though, about our sponsor, Pixel Perfect Pro Lab, who offer print reproduction services to professional photographers and others within the arts who really appreciate faithful colour rendering and reproduction of their works when printed. You can visit www.pixelperfect.com.au for more info. And they still offer a 10% reduction in the cost of your first job with Pixel Perfect Pro Lab if you let them know you're a listener of Inside the Gallery. And as always, their support goes towards the cost of transcribing our interviews, which is very much appreciated by our hearing-impaired fans. So, let's now catch up with Ron Brown, the CEO of Ausflix, and along with Alan Finney, Ron established Ausflix to be the definitive online home for independent Australian screen content now and forever. Now, Ron is no stranger to the industry. He's produced over 1,600 pieces of screen content, and that's across all genres, including drama, documentary, promotional, educational music, and many others. Most of these he also wrote, directed, shot, and edited himself for television, the cinema, and for online services. Ron has received many international and local awards and citations, including Television Society of Australia Awards and London Advertising Awards. Amongst his musical film output are such local and international successes, such as film clips for John Farnham's You're the Voice, Moving Pictures' What About Me, Dave Dobbin's Slice of Heaven, and nearly 120 others, including such luminary artists as Crowded House, Split Ends, Tina Arena, The Church, Little River Band, Pseudo Echo, The Sports, Mondo Rock, Jojo Zepp and the Falcons, Daddy Cool, My Sex, Little Heroes, and the list just goes on. He's also the co-founder and CEO of the Australian Film Future Foundation, and now Ron is taking his Ausflix streaming service further with the soon-to-be-established offshoot Ausflix Arts. Ron, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Absolute delight. Absolute delight. Now, Ausflix itself, I mean, we talk about streaming services quite a bit, and of course, we've enjoyed them so much over the past few months, kind of through necessity for entertainment. But Ausflix is a little different to Netflix and, and Stan in that you don't actually have a subscriber model. We don't have monthly subscription. We use a pay-per-view model, which was something that was predicted um, was fading from interest uh, in the general community when we started. People mm. said, oh, look, pay-per-view, that's okay for, you know, for somebody like iTunes, but uh, the way of the future is the subscription, the monthly subscription. And what we've observed in the five years that we've been streaming is that people have basically got to the point where they've often exhausted most of the content in a library um, mm. that they're willing to pay per month for. And they're very happy now to swing back to mm. just cherry picking those individual films that they or, or, or TV programs that they want to watch, and they'll just be happy to pay a few dollars to watch those. So mm. we're seeing we're seeing a bit of a swing back, actually. But the other thing is too that what I kind of like about your platform and how you operate it is that oftentimes within a streaming service, there will be the opportunity to enjoy movies and shows, and then they'll vanish from the platform. You won't be able to go go back to them in a few months' time. And there's probably various reasons for that, but I kind of see that perhaps 
then when you go searching for that favourite Australian movie, which you can't find on any of those subscription model platforms, they turn up on Ausflix. Indeed, we have a, um, a philosophy that when we put something up, we leave it up. And the interesting thing is that, yes, the monthly subscription services are based on the idea of rotating their content. Mm. Um, they do that They do that because they have to actually pay the owners of yeah. the content yeah. um, a, an upfront um, lump sum fee for a period of time. So mm. they'll pay for three months, six months or 12 months for mm. the content. And then if they're not getting sufficient interest in that piece of content, they'll take it down and they won't pay again to the distributor for the rights. Um, we have a different model with our suppliers and that allows us to leave the content up forever. So it's a it's a, a, a healthier situation in that our library just builds and builds and builds and it'll all be there. If you if you saw it there three months ago or six months ago or a year ago or five years ago, it'll mm. still be there when you come back. Mm. It's like the old model of the rental video store, the Blockbuster. Until the until the VHS exactly. tape wears thin, it would always be available <laughs> on the, on the shelf. Now, absolutely, you're yeah. you're now branching off, and this is the purpose of this conversation, of course, into what you're calling Ausflix Arts. Not yet launched, but why did you actually decide as a streaming service to concentrate initially on on that as a bit of a sidecar to what you've been offering? Sure. I think there's two things there, really. Uh, one is that I've been involved in the arts um, in, lots of, in lots of personal and family ways for most of my life. Mm. My wife danced for 10 years before we started our family. My uh, eldest daughter, Bonnie, is a concert pianist. There's lots of um, you know, music, dance and theatre sort of background in the family through all the extended family. So I've always had that. And then I think the other thing is that in watching the opportunities to access dance and music and, and, and theatre content over time, and also to observe, I guess, the way that some broadcasters and cable services have pulled back from the arts in yes, recent times. Yes, yes. Particularly, and I and I don't, I'm not saying this critically because I know they're under financial pressures, but um, the ABC in particular have reduced their arts content considerably over time, mm. and so of course, and so of course, a Foxtel who basically now acts their their arts uh, channels. Yep. So we thought um, strategically that there was an opportunity to to fill that gap um, at Ausflix, and we also thought, I think that it was something that was near and dear to our hearts. So mm. Haig Burnell, my business partner in the Arts Channel, who was formerly head of classical music at the ABC for many, many, many years and has mm. worked with the BBC and the Berlin Philharmonic and various other organisations over time, he and I sort of put our heads together at the beginning of the year and said, look, the COVID thing, the lack of uh, public performance um, and so on, this might be the time now that we start working towards that, that Arts Channel that we've been talking about for five years. So Basically, yes, we're we're now often aggregating content. That is, a, a acquiring the rights to content for the channel, and they that arts content will appear on the Ausflix.tv channel on the internet first, mm. and then eventually it will be split out into its own separate standalone channel when we get enough content on. Oh, there. great, great! So we don't have to wait for the actual for your actual arts platform to get up before we can actually start seeing this content that you're aggregating, as you say. Correct. The content's actually starting to appear now, and we've we've been building that collection, if you like. But we've been negotiating very actively over the last three months with lots of major suppliers in Australia, lots of filmmakers, independent filmmakers, and distributors. And I think we've probably got somewhere around fifty to a hundred pieces of content that will be live and on the channel before Christmas. So people can look forward to a summer of of, of plenty of arts content at Ausflix if they're 
keen to delve into that. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Now, I I remember you discussing in in another forum an additional motivation for you to get this up in that you were somewhat concerned, especially at the start of COVID, when institutions and artists and musicians, if you like, as well, were creating content and virtually giving it away online, which is very honourable, of course, to do so. But you thought that from the perspective of the artist, there was an opportunity here to perhaps gain a bit more control over their artistic property and their intellectual property rather than just, say, giving it away on YouTube. Absolutely, Tim. I I, I was horrified when I, um, when I saw that one of our major symphony orchestras in Australia had decided to give their content away on YouTube. And I thought, there's two problems with it. Um, the first is that YouTube is an open platform in terms of, um, you know, access, mm. but it's also a very open platform in terms of people being able to copy, download, and and um, you know, I guess you might say almost steal that content. I, I guess people probably don't feel they're stealing it. Sometimes they feel, look, I'd just like to have a copy of it so I can watch it over and over again, and it might mm. not be there next time I mm. go back. This is downloading stuff off YouTube, which you can't do from the actual front end of YouTube, but there are applications available where you can, what they call, rip the content exactly. and, store on, and store it on your own hard drive, which, of course, yeah, there, there is a breach there in YouTube's conditions of, of use as well. People are constantly doing it, and I and I know that it's a in the copyright administration community, you know, film producers, distributors, and and others, uh, it's a constant battle mm. to uh, issue to issue takedown notices to YouTube that somebody has uploaded something that they didn't own and that's, oh, yes. that's actually yours. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's a it, it's we, people call it piracy, but you know, in many cases, people aren't trying to take money out of um, out of artists' pockets. Uh, but that brings me to the second point, which is that apart from the copyright breach or the sort of lack of um, of, of of control of your copyright, the other s- significant issue for me is that you cannot really monetize your content on mm. YouTube. Mm. Um, even even if you aggregate a whole lot of content and have a channel and enter into their sort of revenue sharing scheme, um, you know, for people who own the content get literally sort of pennies on the dollar or, yeah. or sh- fractions of pennies in some cases. Yeah. Um, YouTube keep the rest. So it's it's a very, very um, uneven model or unequal model from the artists and creators' point of view. Um, our business model at Ausflix is actually a 50-50 share. So we, we keep 50% to run the channel and do our marketing, and then we give 50% of any revenue earned back immediately back to the artists or producers of the content. And we just think that that's a lot healthier model for, I think, you know, sustainability of artistic mm. endeavours. Mm. And um, I was horrified. I, I, I saw this, this going on, and then I saw more and more groups doing it, other theatre groups, opera groups, um, dance people, and so on, seeing that some others of the of the major performing arts groups in Australia put their content on YouTube, they started doing it, and then it became a bit of a movement towards it. And I thought, wow, this is going in completely the wrong direction. Mm. So so um, Hague and I moved very quickly to start communicating um, with these organisations and letting them know that, that Ausflix was an alternative, mm. and also that down the track, um, we believe we could del- deliver global distribution, not just distribution to the existing Australian audiences. Yeah, that fifty-fifty model is very generous, uh, from, from my experience. Yes, um, I would have to say is is very generous. Now, in terms of content, now uh, you know I have to say you know we we are a podcast concerned with the visual arts mm-hmm. and arts channels traditionally in the past, and you spoke about the ABC and also Foxtel do yes. have a focus on, I guess, those arts which are kind of more accessible and perhaps more immediately entertaining, if I can put it that way, without mm-hmm. wanting to a- appear offensive. And and that yes. is in terms of 
symphonies, opera, dance, as you mentioned. But can we expect, I guess, a bit of a focus as well on visual artists and that sort of thing on your arts platform? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we've worked hard to build bridges in both the, um, what I'd call, I suppose, the existing catalogues of visual arts content. So there are people who've been making documentaries for the ABC, Mm. for SBS and for other organisations, other broadcasters over the years. And we've gone out and spoken to those people and we've now aggregated a considerable amount of that content, actually. We've got, I'd say, probably maybe somewhere between 20 and 30 hours already of visual arts content. But the most exciting thing for us is that we're now talking to certain venues, particularly art galleries, about creating content that is going to be almost multifaceted, I suppose, in terms of the arts the, the, the arts practices that are involved. Mm. So we have, we've partnered with the Auckland Art Gallery in New Zealand and they're going to be creating content which is going to have performance in the space mm. and integrate visual arts together with some of the other art forms. So there'll be some musical performances in the gallery, there'll be some dance performances in the gallery. The National Gallery of Victoria, of course, have done this in recent years. They've partnered with Australian Ballet, they've partnered with the Ballet Orchestra and so on and created content that is, again, visual arts uh, is a context or a background, sometimes the performance um, relates to the artworks and sometimes it's just literally a sort of a physical setting. Mm. And then the third thing that we're doing is we are actually working very closely now with quite a number of First Nations visual arts organisations uh, to create some original content next year where we literally are going to be working with the artists and the community arts organizations to create content Great. so that that's a that's that's an initiative that we're taking where we actually want you know aboriginal and torres strait islander folk to be kind of the focus of the content and we'll go probably i think quite a deal into community and we'll capture that sort of process and it will be done with indigenous filmmakers doing that so that it'll be a very fair and and i suppose respectful is probably the best word indigenous voices talking about their art and their culture mm. uh, it's not um, you know white australians talking about indigenous culture it's it's indigenous australians talking about indigenous arts and culture Lovely. so that's very much a part of our discussions and and we've had some great conversations there. Likewise, with the Indigenous team at Sydney Opera House, the Indigenous people at the Australia Council, and other Indigenous arts organisations around the country that we've been talking to. So we we believe that because Ausflix has its ambitions, both as a local Australian and an international service, the key point of difference for us, I think, in many ways, is to be able to show Indigenous arts and cultures as part of our offering internationally. Um, that, that's important to us. We have many artists themselves and art managers who subscribe to the podcast. In your discussions, have there been significant contentious issues with with what you're proposing or contentious issues within the arts that relate to what you're proposing? These, are, I guess I'm asking, what are the challenges for you in putting this together? Sure. Um, look, I think the main thing is at this stage, there are some concerns because there haven't been models for rights. And mm. in the past, when people have been making content for example, for the ABC, the ABC turn up with cameras, uh, sign here, they make the content, they put it on the channel, they pay for it, and the artist is basically being given, I suppose you might say, a promotional opportunity yeah. or a... Yeah. Or a um, through exposure, yeah. Yeah, um, but we, we've, got a different, <laughs> we've got a different idea. We actually think that we should be sharing 
the revenue that is achieved, you know, whether it's through an advertising model or a pay-per-view model with the content creators, as well as with those who are, I suppose, the subject of the of the films that we make. So there will be a royalty scheme, and that's something that we are nutting out at the moment, as I said, with people like the Australia Council, is what's a fair and appropriate royalty scheme. And we're putting together an advisory group, actually, with the help of the Australia Council, to um, that's going to have practitioners involved that's going to help us um, determine the, the, the appropriate way forward. In, in many ways, I guess I see Osflex Arts as a, um, a wagons in a circle kind of an idea, you know, where, <laughs> where, 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 we can, where we can get all the practitioners around the table as well as the filmmakers and ultimately, obviously, then share that with the audience. It's not a case of us as gatekeepers saying, you know, here's the stuff that, you know, that's important, you know, watch this. We actually want the, the arts practitioners in all the different genres and, and areas of arts practice involved. And that goes for the visual arts too, absolutely. We, we want to, you know, give those people a, a voice in the process of making and disseminating that content. You have to pay to keep the platform running as you do. And yet you still want to be very generous in terms of what you're offering to the artists and the content providers. The question will be, of course, and this is always a question that I have in generating content and then giving it over to somebody's platform, how exclusive are you wanting to be able to hold on to this material? Well, I think our attitude is this. If you've created the content yourself, if you're a filmmaker or you've worked with a filmmaker to create a piece of um, a content and you're offering it to us, um, we're completely non-exclusive. So you, you, we're, we, we kind of say, let a thousand flowers bloom, you know, put your content out in as many places as you possibly can. And we'll be one of the, we'll be one of the, um, one of the shop fronts, if you like, that you can, you can share your content on. Um, if we go into a co-production situation, um, which we were are planning to do with some major performing arts groups and, and, and galleries and others, um, we'll share the costs and we'll share the revenue. And in the third case, where we literally commission content, where we mm. pay for all of it in, you know, like the old, I guess the ABC or, uh, SBS kind of government broadcaster model um, where they pay for everything and own it, we'll probably have a similar situation yeah. where we'll have exclusivity, yeah. but the exclusivity will also include royalty payments and and, and other revenue share. It won't just be, um, gee, thanks very much, um, you know, here's your exposure. Yeah. I, I well know, with particularly with a concert pianist's daughter, um, exposure doesn't pay the rent. No. And, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> Yes. An, an unfortunate byproduct of the arts in Australia that for many generations now, as long as I've been alive, um, people have been expected to yeah. practice their art um, uh, for for nothing, yeah. as it were, for no for no for no remuneration, um, with a few exceptions of people that have broken through and had a very successful career, and uh, you know they've obviously been visual artists as well as as performing artists who've had that uh, who've had that luxury. Um, you know, they've they've been able to make a very handsome living from their work. Um, it has in their lifetimes, it has mm. happened. Mm. But for look for ninety percent or ninety five percent or perhaps even higher, many arts practitioners in this country are expected to have a day job and yeah. to practice to practice their art in their spare time. I just think that's terrible. I think that's 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 shocking. And mm. I you know I want to be part of the, the the solution, not part of the problem. I guess. Congratulations on the success of Ozflix to start with and on Thanks. the establishment soon, in any case, of Ozflix Arts. Now, keep us in the loop because when you launch, you know, we'll certainly talk about it at least on the podcast and on the Facebook pages and, and that sort of stuff. And thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Cheerio. That's the founder and CEO of Ozflix, Ron Brown. 
now looking to expand the streaming offer to include Ausflix Arts, and we'll certainly let you know as soon as that launches. And that is the podcast for now and likely for the whole year. Please do like and share our Facebook and Instagram posts so you don't miss any news. And also please consider joining our email list and we'll send you an alert every time a new episode of the podcast is published. You can find those details at www.insidethegallery.com.au as well as links to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks to Pixel Perfect Pro Lab for sponsoring the podcast again this year. And thanks to you as well for listening. In the new year, we'll hear about a new collaborative work out of London that artists can contribute to from all around the world. And also some news closer to home, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image in Federation Square in Melbourne is due to reopen in 2021. And we'll chat to the boss there about what to expect. Have a safe and happy holiday period. Don't forget to socially distance as locally advised. Until our next edition, I'm Tim Stackpool. Bye-bye for now.